Welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. God is examining how well the trials of life have refined our faith in Him. Have the trials of life caused us to trust in Him more? Or have the trials of life caused us to defend ourselves, to protect what we think is right and what we think is ours to protect? Are you with me? Have the trials of life caused us to murder, steal, do evil things, or pry into other people's affairs? That's what we covered last week. Because those are the behaviors that show that you are guilty not innocent. Are you with me? Those are the behaviors that God is looking to correct in His children. Judgment begins here and now because God is extremely concerned that our faith be tested and tried, that our faith be refined now, so that when we stand before His throne of judgment, we are not found guilty of saying we're innocent, of saying that we have faith when in fact our lack of faith has caused us to do sinful things. Does that make sense? God says we've got to, judgment needs to begin now in your life. You need to go through some trials now so that we can all see clearly exactly where your faith is so that on judgment day... There's no surprises. It's pretty cool. Suffering because of your faith is difficult, right? It is. Suffering for your faith is difficult. It's kind of Peter's point here. We need God's hand of correction in our lives. We need God's oversight, and we need God's guidance in our lives. We need God's involvement. We need His judgment so that we will finish well. God wants to make His children successful. So He begins judgment with His house. Does that make sense? It's pretty fantastic. Peter goes on. He says, and if judgment begins with us, What terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? Are you processing there? If judgment begins with God's children, and He's letting them, causing them to go through trials and tribulations to try their faith, to refine their faith, if it's hard for believers, if it's hard for the children of God, how much harder is it going to be? What a terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. Do you see the contrast of these two groups of people? Those who trust in God's good news, those whose God's judgment begins with, do not share the same terrible fate of those who do not trust in God's good news. People who trust in God's good news go through judgment, their faith is refined. Those who do not trust, he says explicitly, hear the text, church. What terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? The reason that I make an issue of this right here I'm hoping that you can picture this in your mind. 
I think that modern Christianity has played up heaven and played down hell. We've played up the love of God and sacrificed the existence of God's judgment on sin. If I serve God, great. If I don't, it's no big deal. No, 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 no. Peter is warning us. His words are, what a terrible fate awaits. Can you picture this in your mind? You're getting, getting, you say, well, Brent, why are you making a big deal out of invite your one? Because there's 53,000 people in the greater Farmington area that a terrible fate awaits them. That's why. For God's children, their behavior is judged and corrected by God, their Father. They live in obedience to God and they will be rewarded. Those who fail to trust God, those who fail to live in obedience to God's good news, they await a terrible fate. I'm not making this up. I'm not dramatizing it. I want you to hear what the Scripture says. This is not a time for us to be passive about telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ. A terrible fate awaits them. And we rub shoulders with people we love and fail to tell them that Jesus can help them to avoid that terrible fate and can give them a glorious and holy life. The most loving thing we can do is tell them about Jesus, to invite them to church. Peter quotes a Proverbs as we go on. Peter quotes a proverb to emphasize the hopeless situation of those who do not belong to God's house. Verse 18, he says, And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to the godless sinners? Listen, what his point is, if it's difficult for the righteous people, those who have a commitment to Christ, to suffer and to continue to trust in God, if it's difficult, because even then, we do this too, we come into Christianity, and the bills come in, and we're like, oh, it's so hard to be a believer. It's pathetic, but that's what we do. Life gets hard, dent in the car, sun goes off and it breaks down. You're like, oh, where is God? And our, our faith is challenged, right? As believers, if it's difficult for us to suffer, how much more difficult, how much more hopeless is it for godless sinners? Those who have no faith in God, those who do not have God watching over them, they have no chance of enduring the trials of life and behaving in a God-glorifying way. Does that make sense? There's no ch- we have a reason for behaving in a God-honoring way. People who don't trust in God and don't believe in God, they have no reason to show kindness and peace and patience and long-suffering. No chance. They are simply fighting their way through this life to receive a terrible fate because of their lack of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty picture at all. Judgment begins here and now. Judgment begins with those who have placed their faith, placed their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Judgment begins with those whose faith God has already 
begun to refine. See, I know that this is a refining judgment because this isn't, this isn't pass or fail straight to hell. This is judgment of God's people. He's preparing them. He's disciplining them. We have hope. Those who do not have Jesus, they do not have any hope. Those who are godless, those who lack a heavenly father to guide them and to help them and to test their faith and help them through trials, all they have is what a terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news. So here's my challenge on point number one before we go on. You and I should be humbled first and foremost. We should be humbled and we should be grateful that God is working on our faith. And consequently, He's working on our behavior as well. That's good. We should be grateful. We should be humble. Second, you and I should be motivated to tell others our story of faith to help them to discover the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior as well. We should be motivated because we play in a schoolyard where some of us have the hope of eternal life and some of us only a terrible fate. We should be motivated to Encourage them to come and meet my heavenly Father. My heavenly Father wants to transform you. He wants to guide you. He wants to to help you to overcome the trials of your life. He wants you to to live a, a life with holy dignity. Come, come and follow me as I follow Christ. Just come. Come to church with me. Come and share my life with me. And you will see that I have a heavenly father that is loving and compassionate. And he's involved in helping me live a victorious, transcendent, and blessed life. Come. Come with me. Judgment begins here and now. Don't delay. Trust in God to get you through to the end. Number two, keep doing right. This is the hard part. Judgment begins, and then Peter, with the here and now, and then Peter says, keep doing right. Verse 19, he says, so, if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, if you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, there's the qualifier. So, if you're just suffering like a bozo, this doesn't apply to you. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to God, to the God who created you. That's cool. For He will never fail you. It's awesome scripture. You know how we think. When life gets difficult, when we suffer tragedy in our own life, or if someone we love suffers a tragedy, our self-reliant nature begins to reason ways in which we can fix the problem, even if it means committing a sin of some sort. Oops, 
Yeah, when something's going wrong, did you break the vase? No, I didn't do it. We'll lie to cover up our mistakes. We'll lie to get out of suffering. We'll, we'll commit a sin because we're trying to get out of the tragedy that we're in. Whenever we get into a tragedy, we kick into self-reliant mode, and I can fix this. Instead of behaving in a God-glorifying way, instead of behaving in a God-glorifying way, we regress to an eye for an eye. You hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you. You lied about me, so I'll lie about you. <laughs> the silence is deafening. I mean, we don't have to look around because I think that probably all of us are guilty of that to some degree at some point in our lives. Hopefully, we're growing past that. But whenever somebody scratches your car, you want to scratch their car back, don't you? That's okay. You can say yes. We're all family. <laughs> this time of year and the traffic's crazy. I'm, I'm not an aggressive driver. I like to drive fast, but I'm not an aggressive driver. So people dart in front of me, and I'm like, <sighs> I'll show you, and I dart around them and cut them off. Not glorifying behavior. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life, and God says, no, 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 no. We live under grace, not fairness. We live under God's love, not your sinful nature, because your sinful nature requires that you die. God's nature of grace wants to set us free from our selfishness so that we can live. So instead of behaving in a God-glorifying way, we regress to an eye for an eye. Peter's admonition to this group of people, to us, during this tragic time of suffering is to keep on doing what? Right. Keep doing what is right. But Brent, they sinned against me. I have the right to do them wrong. And I've told you this in other Bible studies, that we, as, as believers, as children of the Most High God, we surrendered our right to God the Father. So you don't have the right to do wrong. You never have the right to do wrong. You always, because of the blood of Jesus, have the right and the empowerment to always do right. But they scratched my car. Invite them to church. Be kind to them. Get them a shopping basket. I don't know what it is, but keep doing right. We're not justified in doing wrong. Don't give in and do what your sin-filled flesh wants to do. Do what is right. Behave in a way that glorifies God. Act as though God is your Father. That's good. Mm-hmm. But the only way you'll act like God is your Father is if you really trust Him with your life. You have to believe completely that God has your best interest at heart. You have to believe that God actually knows what is best for you and that He knows things about your life that you can't know yet. Well, but Brent, I've been thinking this through, and if I do this, I'm going to lose money. If I do this, I'm going to, I, I'm, maybe somebody's going to come and beat me up. If I do this, I need, to, I need to commit a sin. I need to do this to protect myself. 
No. Part of trusting God is whenever you stop trying to fix it, stop trying to protect yourself, and you continue to do what is right, what honors God, and then you let God work out the situation. I was in a position one time where I've told, I tell the story vaguely because there's no glory in my sin. I had messed up and I could have hidden it, and I didn't. There was potentially high consequences to me telling the truth about my sin. But you know what? Right is right. So I confess my sin. People in authority, spiritual authority around me said, Brent, don't tell. Just keep it quiet. Don't say anything. Just take care of the situation. Move far away where nobody knows you. Nobody will ever know. It's no big deal. I told the truth. And you know what? It didn't work out as tragic as all those people who had faith in God said it would. I put my faith in God, terrified, put my faith in God, and God worked it out for His glory, for His glory, for His glory. Now, was I being logical? Oh, man, I was being logical. I mean, I've been around this all of my life, so I know that whenever you're involved in ministry and you confess a sin of some sort, you are gone. Hit the bricks. They bang you over the head. You heathen straight to hell. I confessed my sin and there was grace. There was grace. Logically, I knew what was going to happen. Supernaturally, I had no idea that God the Father would intervene and say, Brent, you messed up, but you have done right. and I'm going to work a miracle. That's not in my notes. That's extra, by the way, reflected in your giving. (laughs) Yeah, we're so good at thinking what is the best action for me to do. Cover up my sin. Lie about it. Hide it. And God says, no, confess it. Love each other. Take care of each other. Watch out for each other. I'm so lost in my notes, I have no idea where I'm at. You have to trust that God... Your creator, I really like that. Your heavenly father, he will never fail you. He'll never fail you. You read the Old Testament and over and over and over, recurring theme, especially throughout the Psalms, is God is faithful. He will never fail you. His love never fails. We come along and we come to this roadblock that we perceive in life, and we say, oh God, what are you going to do? You can't fix this, so I'll fix it. And God says, if you would just, if, would, would you read, your, would you do your soap, please? If you would do your soap, you know that I've promised you over and over and over that I will never fail you. Now, God may not give you what you want, right, parents? (laughs) Because, you know, your kids want stuff you're not going to give them. As children of God, we say, well, I I trust God, but he's not going to give me what I want. That's part of trusting God. He's going to give you exactly what you need. And what you need may be a trial for the refining of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold. Well, Brent, I just wanted a new pickup. Me too. But God didn't think that was a good idea. In His infinite wisdom and His infinite power, He saw that is not good for you. So He's not going to give it to you. He is faithfully going to refine your faith in in His infinite wisdom. God does that for us. That's good. 
isn't it? I mean, because I know what a failure I am left to myself. So I need a heavenly Father that is involved in refining my faith and that will never fail. You may fail you, but God will never fail you. He may not give you what you think you want. See, I had this in my notes, so I knew where I was going. And that's why when we have to trust Him instead of trusting ourselves. Only as we trust and believe that God will never fail us will we keep doing what is right. You follow me? We look in the future and we say, oh, well, if I don't do this and do this and kind of hedge my bets, then everything's going to fall apart, and so I need to sin. Whenever we trust in God, then no matter what happens around us, if we're faithful to do what is right, we know that God, our Father, will never fail us. We just keep doing right. It gives us hope to keep doing right. Only as we trust God with our lives are we able to let go of our will and surrender to His will, even when His will seems to be painful. We trust Him. We trust Him who is always faithful, and we keep on doing what is right. And that is how God can see that we are trusting Him with our lives and that we're not just saying that we trust Him. Judgment begins in God's household. He puts us on trial. Brent, do you trust me? Sure, let's try that. Let's, let's put some pressure and see what actually is inside of you. Let's put you through some suffering and let's see how you actually behave and how you act. Let's see if there's enough faith in God inside of you that when everything falls apart, you trust God, like you say, instead of trusting yourself. I have two challenges for you this morning. That was me tying it all up together at the end, in case you're wondering. Two challenges for you this morning. One, I know that some of you are, are going through or that you have recently gone through some serious trials in your own life and in your family. I challenge you to keep doing right. Keep your trust in God who is always faithful. Don't regress to sinful behavior in an attempt to correct God's work in your life. Just keep doing right. Keep trusting God with your life. He knows what He's doing. I promise. But Brent, I'm looking down the road and it's going to be tragic. Stop it. We make, this is why we're always, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? I'll tell you what the will of God is. Stop sinning and keep doing right. Because if you'll keep doing right, his good and perfect will will, inf- will unfold perfectly in your life. Well, I don't know what decision to make. Just do right. Just do right. It's that simple. I'm going over my notes this morning and I'm thinking, you know, Scripture is simple. And whenever it comes to theology, theology is even more simple than Scripture because it reduces down to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and obey Him. Yeah, but what if? No, no. He is always faithful. He is always faithful. But what if this happens? doesn't matter. Do what is right. He'll be faithful. But what if I do wrong? then you can pretty much guarantee that you have a miserable destiny ahead of you. So just do what is right. Do what is good. Don't worry about God's will. 
Just do what is right. That was a tangent again. Man, you guys are running up a tab. Number one, <laughs> at the offering box. That was my point. Only two people made that connection. Uh, that was extra reflected in your giving. Uh, my challenge is keep doing right. Number two, your doing right is not just about yourself. We are headed for Invite Your One Sunday, so I'm not going to let you off easy. Your doing right is not just about yourself. It is also about those who are watching your life. It's about those who see you trusting your life to God on a daily basis and not trusting in your own reasoning and your own abilities. We, hang on a second, as parents, we need to keep in mind that, yes, we're in charge of our kids, but part of being a good steward of our kids' spiritual parenting is for our kids to see that we are not self-reliant. Our kids need to see when dad says, I'm really out of ideas, I don't know what else to do, all I know to do is we're going to pray and we're going to trust God to work this situation out. We're going to continue to do good, we're going to continue to honor God, we're going to continue to trust God. Because one of these days, your children are going to be in that place where they're at their logical end and they need to know what to do. They need to know where to put their trust. Are you with me? That was extra again. We're doing good. All right. We have bills to pay. We endeavor. I have three minutes. Don't give me a hard time. We endeavor, because we read it every Sunday morning, we endeavor to be fully devoted followers of Christ. We never say together on Sunday morning that we exist to be part-time followers of Christ. At least I better not ever hear you saying that. No, 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 no. We exist to be to reach people with the gospel so that they can become fully devoted followers of Christ. That devotion is seen in our actions more than it is heard in our words. Commit. Be faithful. Keep doing what is right. Trust God with your life and live in a way that those who do not have a heavenly Father so that they will come to know your heavenly Father. Does that make sense? Keep doing what is right. Keep doing it in front of people who are watching you so that they'll come to know Jesus. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your living and active word that is sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrates to the very depths of our being. Lord, I pray this morning that you will help us to be very aware of the faith that we talk about as opposed to the faith that we live. Lord, I pray that you will try us and test us, put us through trials so that we can examine our lives very overtly so that you can, can bring out what is inside of us so that we can see and you can see where our faith really is. Lord, we trust you with our faith, no matter how small it is. If we're lacking, Father, we pray that you would give us more faith. Give us the ability to trust you more. If we're failing to do right, Lord, bring it to our attention so that we can correct, so that we can trust you to correct 
our behavior, to correct our faith in our lives. Lord, we surrender ourselves 100% to you. We can't create more faith in ourselves. We just look into your scriptures, we read, we trust. We trust that your word will bring faith into us. We trust that your Holy Spirit is at work in us to refine our faith. Lord, we are helpless. We need you at work in our hearts and our lives. Grow our faith no matter where we're at in our spiritual walk. If we've just begun and we have small faith or maybe we have great faith, Lord, we continue to rely on you, to be dependent upon you, that you will grow our faith in you. Father, we want faith that plays out into us living a righteous life before you and before those around us so that you will be glorified, so that the name of Jesus will be lifted high, so that people will come to know you because of your work in our lives, Father. We love you and we glorify you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We would like to invite you to come be a part of Desert Heights Church. Service is every Sunday morning at 1030. You'll find us at 1835 East Main, next to Arby's, here in Farmington, and on the internet at desertheightschurch.com.